Hey everyone, this is Dave Cruz from Flyber Labs, a podcast on business and innovation in the Midwest and beyond. Here you'll meet fascinating people and learn about new technologies and practices that will change how you look at life and business. Enjoy. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Flyover Labs. And this is our new series on all things blockchain called Flyover Block. And today we get to talk to Joey Garcia. Joey is a financial services attorney and partner at the law firm Isolis, located in Gibraltar. And as you guessed it, one of his main focus areas is the blockchain and digital currencies. He's recognized as one of the leading blockchain attorneys in the world, and he co-chairs the Gibraltar Government Working Group Think Tank on Digital Currencies. And he has advised a number of blockchain startups, including Gnosis, with their ICO. So I'm curious to learn more about how Joey thinks about the blockchain and digital currencies from the legal perspective, especially since the legal environment around digital currencies can be somewhat murky. So, uh, Joey, thanks for coming on our show today. No, it's great to be here, Dave. Thanks very much for the uh, thanks very much for the invite as well. So, um, as you you know, you've covered off a couple of things we've been covering. I mean, there, there's been a lot of a uh, lot of work in the space for about two and a half years now. So, although you know, definitely today you're here a lot, and everyone will be reading a lot almost every day. I think about what different jurisdictions are trying to develop or evolve, etc., in a very accelerated fashion. We're lucky enough that on the 1st of January 2018, our new DLT or Distributed Ledger Technology Regulatory Legal Framework comes into place, and you know, we've been working and developing on that for for a long time, for, as I say, almost two and a half years. So it's, it's, I think the timing is great. There's a lot of momentum and interest around uh, what we're doing. And, you know, I think it's very positive. I mean, today, different jurisdictions, you have different heads within those jurisdictions on the regulatory or government or private front that, that have slightly different views. I think, you know, Gibraltar is a very small place. And what we've been lucky to do is evolve a real sort of, I, I call it an all-in-all solution to uh, you know, a serious business that wants to get on the ground, get off the ground, and be well run. You know, we have brought in line the banking support. We've brought in line and developed a legal and regulatory framework. We've brought in line and developed a tax framework. So, I think all in all together, we're we're super happy and super confident with with, with where we are at the moment. And um, and there's definitely a lot of a lot of a lot of interest. Definitely a lot of interest in what we're doing. So that's great. Great. And uh, and how you know. I- can you kind of expand on that the, the initiative that's going to start and how will and uh, how will that help you know companies and um, yeah. yeah around the blockchain? Sure. I mean, you know, I think when we started talking about this a long a long time ago, um, I suppose the outward point that we were facing was how do you distinguish between you know a, a company a blockchain provider? Let's call it an, an exchange. That, that is, you know, two guys in a garage in a in a in a, in a small apartment in Mosware, and you know, a well-run business. And what we found was entering the space a bit. There are lots of very well-run, very very well-run businesses with some super super people. So I think drawing something of a distinction between the the tiny operator and the sort of that risk element and the customer protection that exists in a, in a well-run business. It was the key um, starting point. So, you know, we wanted to provide some regulatory certainty for these firms and to give them that certainty. And, you know, a lot of things come with that. I mean, the, you know, your conversations with, you know, bank or banking support, um, you know, are very different when you're providing a fully regulated service to, uh, you know, an unknown startup in a, in a new technolo- technology area that is 
relatively unexplored or unknown. So you know that that was that was that was the point. We wanted to recognise uh, you know DLT as a as a nascent evolving technology and provide a responsive regulatory framework uh, for that. So you know really be able to identify for clients well-run businesses that were operating to to a certain level. And, and, and that conversation expanded and evolved over a long time. And I, I'd say when we started talking about this, we were working and we had the input, luckily enough, of some you know larger groups like Zappo, for example. Um, and the, the focus was very, very much uh, cryptocurrency, uh, call it virtual currency focus. Um, but over time, you know, as, as the as the opportunities within the blockchain DLT space have, have evolved, we wanted to make it clear that this is a framework that's going to cover more than a pure sort of crypto provider. So we started to define distributed ledger technology and we started to define this concept of the transfer of value or the storage of value. So rather than do what I suppose some jurisdictions have done, which is to try and put this put this new technology into existing old frameworks that exist, um, I suppose to an extent that's the case in the US where you have and you know, money transmitter or money transmission rules where these virtual currency firms you know need to comply with those old rules as it were. We we started to try to build something, you know, from the ground up that was specifically uh, DLT focused and specifically DLT um you know specific. Um and, and that and that's what we've done. And the way that we've done that, with a view that this is sort of technology that can evolve very, very quickly, it can develop very, very quickly. You know, I'm sure that none of us will be able to, you know, write down the, the, the names of the most concrete businesses in six or 12 months' time from today. Um, there's a lot of evolution happening almost on a day-to-day basis. The way that we approach this was to define, you know, principles. So we have nine headline principles, um, and, and those principles, you know, conducting business with honesty and integrity, maintaining financial, non-financial resources, um, so you have corporate governance arrangements, um, you know, basic sort of security arrangements, et cetera. These are very basic principles that the regulator can then evolve with guidance and develop and apply to any firm on a case-by-case basis. So it can apply those principles in one way to, I don't know, call them a wallet provider, to a very different way to an exchange service provider, to a very different way to other, you know, startup businesses in this area. So the idea is to have that 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 principles framework that has the capability to evolve and change and be applied to to these businesses. So that 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 is what we're doing. Interesting. And 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 it also helps just like welcoming, you know, and putting you guys on the map that you guys are you're you're open and would love for um you know DLT yeah. ledger t- technology companies to come to you guys and um yeah. so I well, I think you know, you're, also, you're also, I mean, in, in this space, a lot of people, I mean, not everyone wants, uh, I suppose, not everyone wants regulation. A lot of people definitely, definitely uh, do. Um, and, you know, we, we, if we go back, you know, eight years or 10 years or whatever it was, it's not that different to what existed in the in the online gaming space. You know, there, was, there was no online gaming uh framework, regulatory legal framework for the operation of that kind of business. And, you know, we, Little Gibraltar was the first jurisdiction to develop that. And we, we developed that first. We attracted the largest businesses in the world. And that has, you know, evolved over time. But, you know, we, we made that very, very conscious decision 
to do that. And we've developed a market within that space and we have the largest operators in the world based in Gibraltar. And I suppose the, the opportunity here is, is similar. You know, Gibraltar is very small. Yeah. Uh, we can get the right people around the table and make right decisions and move quickly on certain things, quicker than you know, very large uh, countries or you know, groups of countries such like, as the European Commission, which has made some other decisions, uh, you know, recently. And, and that's our advantage, I think, you know, to, to, to move quickly on and, and take take opportunities that we believe exist. And, and that is what we're doing. So can you walk us through uh, why, let's say, a company's going to do an ICO, or I know you mentioned Zappo too, you know, why a company would, like, pick a Gibraltar over, like, the United States sure. or another territory? Like, wh- what should be going through their head? <laughs> Yeah, no, no. Look, I think you know, there are two points or two answers to that question. I think you know the first answer is you know, the key point is certainty. So everyone wants as close as they can get to legal, regulatory, tax, etc. Certainty around what it is that they're doing. Um, you know, we started a process uh, you know, way back in March, April, which you know in the blockchain world you can call the good old days of start of this year. Um, you know, and we built a process where we were developing that kind of opinion. We were engaging with our regulators, sharing that opinion with them, uh, and getting to a process where you know the the, the actual legal operation of the business is being you know, approved. Uh, with that, everyone has the tax questions around the treatment of token sale proceeds, uh, how to account for some of those profits moving forward, how to deal with that from an accounting perspective. And we were lucky enough to you know, num- number the very large uh, audit firms that are based in Gibraltar, international firms like EY and Deloitte and PwC, et cetera, they came to the, be able to start doing those analysis uh, as part of that process. And at the same time, um, you know the banking question. We, we get banking inquiries from, from from all over the world, from from very you know, developed jurisdictions, and that's been a, a you know long process. But that support infrastructure is there as well. So I think you know, why would someone do do this type of thing in Gibraltar? I think the ta- the tax framework works. Um, it, it works. It's compatible, and you can get certainty from a legal perspective, a legal regulatory perspective. You have a regulator that is already saying it's going to regulate DLT and the, 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 the businesses operating that space. And they have a very similar view in respect to the ICO universe as well. So very, very proactive in terms of how we approach uh, those questions. Um, and, and I think that's really the, 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 the main point from a Gibraltar point of view, giving people certainty around that. Now, if you're selling tokens into the US, if you're selling tokens into uh, Berlin or London, where it might be, you know, there are lots of other considerations that, that go through and lots of other parts of the process that need to be considered. We don't have any clients that, that have U.S. distribution or U.S. touch point or some interaction with the U.S. that don't go, go through a process of, of analysis uh, from, from a U.S. perspective as well. But, um, you know, in terms of getting this company incorporated, getting the, the structures um, established, set off, et cetera, and all of the pieces in around that, I think it works extremely well, and the support is all there from a, a Gibraltar perspective that to, to, is, uh, you know, I think, attractive in that space. So I would, I would definitely get a lot, a lot of interest and inquiry from, 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 from the U.S. as well. I mean, some of the more developed businesses, uh, exchanges, et cetera, that are operating in the space, they want, you know, they want legal and regulatory certainty around the operation of their business. And, you know, we are building a specific DLT 
uh, framework for this. So I think that is going to be on the first of January, you know, very very unique. Um, so you know, there's definitely a lot of interest around what we're doing, and it's it's very interesting. And and you kind of answered one of my questions. Next questions was, uh, you know, I'm based in Madison, Wisconsin. Let's say I want to start a, you know, a cryptocurrency or some type of a, um, you know, DLT company. What, um, you know, and let's say, oh, Gibraltar is perfect. You know, what do I have to think about if I want to start, uh, if I want to sell tokens in the United States, we have to, uh, I buy by the, um, you know, the U.S. Yeah. laws too, right? So, yeah. how, okay. And, and can you guys help with that type of uh, analysis um, or have you done Absolutely. that? Yeah. yeah. Many, many of these uh, kinds of analysis with various different uh, firms that are based in the US. Um, and, you know, it's a fast growing, it's a fast developing space uh, in the US as well, definitely. Um, and I think you've got uh, not that long ago, you had this sort of, uh, I suppose, the you know, I suppose lawyers working in the kind of SAFT universe that was developed by the, the white paper document um, and the kind of you know, regulation D, regulation S, et cetera, type registration exemptions and other law firms that took a really different approach, I suppose, and said, you know, they, they, they made this distinction between a sort of pre-functional token and a post-functional token and said that if um, if it was post-functional, i.e. the time you acquire the token, you could use it, um, then there was a, a more concrete argument that it may have been a utility token. And to do that, that full legal analysis around determining that it is a utility token and allowing for some restricted distribution in that space has been one view that one view that, that, that some firms and some uh, groups have taken. But then, you know, you've got some more recent, uh, more recent uh, case law and statements that have been made by... Uh, by your regulator in, in respect of, I think, the, the, the Munchie case um, and, and some of the guidance that, that's been issued there. So now, again, the, the focus is changing on what is put around that offering. Um, you know, is, is Even if it is a utility token, is the way that it's being sold as a potential you know, gain or potential profit, you know, is that enough to make the sale and investment contract, bring it within the Howey test and treat that token as a security. So it, it is a very fast evolving space. And that's why I say, and same thing I say to any clients, if you're going to have a US touch point specifically, you absolutely do need to take some guidance uh, on and around that. But uh, but I, as I say, the US clients that we speak to and the way that they see the interaction with the uh, Gibraltar entity they're using is extremely uh, positive, so I think it, it is a solution that does work very well. Okay, and so most of the ICOs now are you know around utility tokens, and I, you know I, I'm curious about uh, more equity based um, ICOs. Do you think yeah. those will happen more, or and how could they happen? And have you guys done anything? Or what, yeah, what are your thoughts yeah. around that? <laughs> yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, it's 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 another um, it's another area of development. There's an, a lot of obvious development into that space. Um, by way of a bit of background, if, if I can you know, talk to that, in the Gibraltar Exchange, the Gibraltar Stock Exchange is a classic exchange. Um, the Gibraltar Stock Exchange is building, which is called GSX, is building GBX. And GBX is a pure um, token platform. And around that token exchange, GBX, 
what what they are doing is building rules and bring building a sponsor regime. They're building listing rules around the process that a, that a utility token will need to go through to get listed. The idea of development beyond GBX is to make GSX um, a full settlement exchange of, as you say, let's use equity as an example, but that, that are done through a GSX system and over effectively a blockchain network. So I would say that it's a natural uh, evolution. And there are other challenges that I think exist in that space. Uh, one is the sort of interaction with you know, company law or corporate law that exists and other registration requirements that may exist for the for those tokens. So there are some there are some challenges in that space, but there's a huge amount of there's a huge amount of um, opportunity. There's a huge amount of uh, hunger for the right entities to to grow into that space. And there's some super interesting and intelligent uh, initiatives taking place in the in, in the US as well. So I would say if I was going to you know guess something on this, I would say it's a question of time. Um, I think it, it is a question of time before before we, we, we do get there. It's not without its challenges. Um, and then there is a reason why people are not doing this overnight. Um, but there's a, there's a lot of uh, demand uh, and a lot of, I think, natural evolution into, into, into that space. So, yeah, we, we definitely have it on our, on our roadmap as well from a, a pure Gibraltar perspective. So for sure. Interesting. And, and yeah, I like the idea of it a lot too. And one of my questions was, you know, what's the advantage of doing a, um, an ICO equity-based token versus just a, a typical IPO? Um, I know there's lots yeah. of laws around IPO, but essentially a, a kind of the same thing, but uh, um, yeah, yeah. just hear, hear your thoughts on it. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a good point. I mean, um, I mean, what, what are the advantages? I mean, I think when we, you know, part of our onboarding process for anyone that's considering an ICO is for them to, you know, complete our questionnaires and for us to do a full analysis around the token or what it does. Now, if the token is, can genuinely be considered a utility token of sorts, you know, it has options A, B, and C available to it. There are many times that, that, that those are not available, and these really are very interesting projects, but they 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 do trigger. In in the US, you have this this concept of an investment contract on your your Harry test. I suppose in Europe, the most equivalent we have to that is the kind of uh, collective investment scheme test. So what exists to qualify as a type of investment fund? Uh, that is the closest language that we have to your. Uh, investment contract with really under 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 Howie, and if they're triggering those requirements, then you know option A might be to structure some form of um, you know, fund solution. Or option B is to go down the what we're talking about now, and that is effectively an, an, an equity raise, um, but doing it on a on on the basis that is available to those types of clients within the European Union and, and other places. And I, I think that the the route, if you can you know, if there is an interest and you're able to go down that route without going down the full IPO um, strategy, I think naturally it's going to be slightly faster, slightly cheaper, and potentially even slightly more efficient. Um, And within this space and the types of ways that networks are being developed, et cetera, it does seem like quite a natural evolution of, of, of what's already happening. So that, that's not to say, by the way, that the IPO universe is going to be turned off at, at all. Uh, but uh, but uh, but you know, alternatives and competitors and you know, natural developments of what's happening in the space into the regulated space will will happen. I'm I'm pretty sure. 
Okay. And uh, I know we're almost out of time here, and uh, I might have to have you back on here down down the road sometime. And uh, but this has been awesome. And uh, um, so one question I always like to ask people at the end is, uh, you know, what what do you like to do in your uh, spare time when you're not dealing with cryptocurrencies and yeah. ICOs and. <laughs> Well, I mean, David, most people who are operating in the sort of blockchain crypto space don't have much spare time at, at the moment. <laughs> Fair enough. That's <laughs> the reality. But I get into all sorts of stuff, uh, you know, a bit of a big history in rugby, and I do a lot of triathlon, cycling, all that oh, kind wow. of nonsense as well. Wow. We try to do that some time. You have a beautiful uh, location for all that <laughs> right there. Yeah, the yeah. We're, very, we're a very, very small place. I'm lucky enough to play rugby for the Gibraltar national team, so we get out and play against all these other small nations and uh, and throw out some surprises along the way. It's always good fun. <laughs> awesome. All right. <laughs> well, Joe, I really appreciate it. This has been great. So uh, it's fun. It's really fun what you guys are doing there in Gibraltar, and um, I'll I'll keep a, a close eye on uh, the developments going on there. And like I said, I might uh, force you to come back and down – late 2018 or something and just get an update. <laughs> um, sure. But, uh, yeah, that'd be great. I'm sure. Hopefully we'll have some, some good updates for you then as well. Okay. So yeah. Sounds good. And, and thanks everyone for listening to another episode of flyover block. And as always, I definitely appreciate it. Bye everyone. Bye Joey.